So this particular episode is very special to me. Um, it's a young lady that, honestly, I've wanted to interview since I really came up with the concept of this podcast and the idea behind it. Um, and I feel like I personally learned a lot. Uh, one of one of her statements in particular that you're going to hear, um, I think you'll hear it in my own voice, the surprise of how she understood and, and the perspective she had on her struggles and what it meant to her. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Anonymous Heroes, a reminder that everyone struggles and you don't have to feel alone in yours. Okay, I'm sitting here with somebody. We're not going to say who. And um, I, I, I do an intro to this, so I'm going to, in my intro, say how excited I am about this. But I really am, because uh, for many reasons. Um, because I've, I, you know, been involved in your story, kind of, or a lot, or a little. And, and I feel like there were a lot that, of hazy spots. This is what I like, because I met with... Uh, somebody who you know um, uh, but we spent like two hours together I don't know if, it's, if someone told you and and it was not it didn't go but we spent two hours together and it was great and he was such a sweetheart he's like no it's fine rabbi I'm happy we schmoozed alright so let's start with probably stuff that I still think I don't know tell me how your early part of your life before we met went like how early as early, what's your what's your earliest what's your earliest happy memory? My earliest happy memory. What comes to mind right now is driving in the car with my family and my best friend to our family friend's house in Connecticut, listening to music together. We're all me, my sister, and my best friend are snuggled in the back. It's like a few hours away. That's my happiest memory. How old are you? I think I might have been seven or eight. So nothing before seven or eight. I remember things that are not so positive. So what was your earliest not positive memory? So my earliest not positive memory was that same best friend that was in the car with me when we were in nursery school. I remember this. I was playing in a toy house, and she wanted to come in. And I pushed her out. She's like, I'm going to tell on you. And I'm like, I got so scared. I was like, no, 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 please. You could push me back. She pushed me back. And I pushed her, and she pushed me, and we started laughing, and we were, we were best friends pretty much ever since. So why is that a negative? Because the fear that I felt... Of like getting told I, on? Yeah. When I think about it now, I it's like a negative memory for me. That's funny. This morning, I, I teach at the Shara program in Shayashiv. So the guy who heads the Shara, Rabbi Harwood, said, can I talk to you? I was giving shares. Yeah, let me talk to you afterwards. And he has an office. And I said, even today... I'm 44 years old. I've been like almost a good boy for for a few years now. And I walk into an office of a rabbi who said, "Please come here." And I'm thinking, I'm in trouble. What? I gotta I gotta dis- d- diffuse the situation. I need to turn the charm on. I go into defense all day. I'm like, it's crazy that I still get this. I so, but were you were you disciplined very strongly? Like, she why didn't tell on me. Oh, oh, you mean no? I'm saying in general, were you? Yes, my parents were like so strict. Oh my gosh! Like, they, to what extent? Like, what's the? They were very big on the respect, speaking respectfully. To them or to anyone? To really to anyone, but mostly to them, especially to them and to everyone. So, um, you know, I'll get patched, 
but it didn't feel like a little potch at the time. It felt like... And they weren't using the word potch. No. Potch makes it sweeter. Yeah, potch like, makes you're getting it a potch from right. Poppy. That's like, okay. no, I'm, I'm smacking you. I'm spanking you. That was like the word. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it was this you're just, You have one sister. Two sisters. Two sisters. No, bro- no brother. One no, brother. You have one brother. All right, yeah. all right. So they... But we, when you said about the car ride, they weren't in the car? No, they're a lot older. They're from my father's first marriage. Ah, so you fought... All right, okay. Some of this is starting to come back yeah. to me. So your father was first married. Yeah. What happened to his first wife? She's still around. She was like... We always grew up in one big, happy family. My mother was very big on, like, telling my father, like, you have to go make good with the mother of your other children. Wow. And um, she, like, babysat for us, had a key to the house. If you ask my little sister, she'll be like, that's weird and inappropriate, but... My older sister always said to me, because I remember I was trying to figure out as a kid, like, I'm like, who, who is who, that? Who, like, yeah. who, that's your mom, and it's not my mom, and you're my half-sister? She's like, there's no halves in this family. I love you fully, and that's all there is to it. And Which didn't know, clear up who anybody was. <laughs> it didn't clear up who anyone was. No, definitely not. But it was nice. And I still remember it. And she said, so are we have more people that love us. Right. And, yeah. and my stepmother's very like that. And my kids, my bar mitzvah boy... Last year, he kind of is like, wait a second. So Safta and Zaydi were married <laughs> to each other? It's a, it's a trip for them. When they when that clicks, you're like, yeah, what, where have you been? It's like, oh, okay. Now some of those comments make sense. Yeah. Now they, okay, so, um, so you have, I know they all love you and everybody's your sibling, yeah, yeah. but your father had two or three from the f- first two. marriage. My older sister two. and my older brother. Your older sister and your older brother. So how do you have a half? You have because they're technically half. I remember. Oh right, 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 right. I, like, I have a half also. Right, right, right. Okay, I, I don't know why. You have I, a half. Yeah, I have a half. Yeah, top half. <laughs> um, it's hard for him to get around. <laughs> so, um, um, okay. So you have two two older, and then your two younger. One little one. One. Your sister's younger. Yeah, my sister's younger. That's she's it. she's a from me. She's having a process. Uh, okay. She, she, yeah, after, yeah, she is in a process. I'm not entirely sure what she's, what her so story she, is. So she, she never got married? No, but she's still, she's like 24, 23. Right. Okay, listen, when, I, I mean, I, we'll get to that, but she became Val Shuva and that 23, 24, it starts to get hard. Yeah. Yeah. It starts to get difficult. So, um, right, before we jump to that, so how were you raised, how were you raised, in the home religious wise both parents are Jewish both parents yeah Yeah. it's a funny story actually there was a big question so I'll tell you so the more I would talk about like my family and my upbringing with people that are close to me and you know various families that I've gotten close to like you didn't grow up like you had like when I if people are like how did you become religious like well sitting in shul with my father on Shabbos and I'm like wait what like it's the more that it I, the, the older I get, the more I realize there were certain things. So religiously, it was like, you have to go to shul sometimes, and not my mom, because she has a deal with God, but we have to. And Your father would be saying this? No, my mother. Oh, your mother would say, I yeah. have a deal with God, but you don't yeah. to go to shul. Yeah, and then my father would slap me to shul. But and, shul, shul? Like, like... At the time, there was a firm rabbi in the shul. He, I'm still in touch with him. He's awesome. Really? Yes. Um, he was like some Yishavik from Israel, moved back with his family. Right. Um, Can we say where, where, what city you lived in? 
Is that... I so, live in Long Beach. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, in Long Beach, I, there is a shul in Long Beach, but you weren't going to, like, the Young Israel. No, we were going... In Island Park at the time, it was, like, a firm rabbi and a conservative congregation. Okay. Growing up for me. That's pretty rare. I guess it was conservative, you would call it. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's the conservative... Were you driving there? Yes. Were most people driving there? Yeah, most... So definitely. I don't know if everybody was, but right. definitely we were. Okay. Yeah. Without a second thought, was that like, hey, I know we're not supposed to do this, but let's go? Without a second thought. All right. it was com- That's what it was. Yeah, also as a big soccer player growing up, and uh, on Shabbos, we would ha- I would have games. And like, right. it was serious, like, you don't miss a game. Right. So, and it wasn't even a thought, but we would be playing Mordechai and David on the way. And like, I remember like, I would be blasting it, yeah, and like singing on the top of my lungs with my father, like the best, some of the best memories. And he'd be like, then he'd be like, we need to lower this now. I'm like, why? It's like we're driving through a Jewish area. It's not so nice to do this. It's Shabbos. I'm like, why? So he, he knew a lot. He knew a lot. More than like, I what, What's his background? I never... So it was funny. I was talking about this with, with my boyfriend. He's like, this makes so much sense now. So he went to... His parents sent him to Yeshiva growing up. Yeah. Which I always knew. Same with my you mother. Yeshiva, like like I went to, like uh, I don't know what it was like. I should ask. Where, where, where did he grow up? Where was in the Bronx. It? In the Bronx. I don't know the name of it. Okay, I, but, I, but from the way he's told it, it seems like a place where he learned Chumash and Gemara, and yes, was an all boys yeshiva. I don't know about that. No, no. It, no. So no, it wasn't like where he went because he met his first wife there, my oh, sister's okay. mom. So most likely, she, she, yeah. Yeah, and she also so. So he'd be like, he said like his, he said, my, my father didn't know anything. He just knew you were going to yeshiva. And then my brother was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, and I didn't, re- I never thought I got it from my father's side. Like this drive for you. This yeah. I always thought it was from my mother's side. Because they're, my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. Your mother's parents. My mother's parents. And your father's parents, they're alive, they're... they're they were dead you- before I was born. So the grandfather, I remember, there was a grandfather who was sicker that he passed. That was my your mother's. My grandfather passed. That was, that was your mother's. Father. Yeah, my Zadie. Uh-huh. And he was down in Florida or something, right? Yeah. So he he was a Holocaust survivor. Also Bobby, yeah. Both of them. And they were religious or... or so it's Usually funny. those were either very religious or nothing. So I believe Zadie used to cry that he had to work on Shabbos. And he, you know, he... They, had no choice right you know and I remember my bubby was telling me like my grandfather would have like went to Arctisrael and but when he met my grandmother in Europe like on the train or in some woods somewhere after the liber- they were liberated she's like I'm, I'm going to America like a family member Tante Lily was in like New Jersey or something yeah so that was her family, her remaining family, and she was going there. And it was her sister. It was her aunt, her mother's. Oh, her tante Lily. Her tante Lily. Wow. But we also call that, her tante. We would call her Elta tante Lily then. Right? No, no, we don't need to call. Okay. <laughs> um, so, she, and so he followed her because he says, "I saw her, and I never let her go. She was so pretty." And Bubby's like, "Yeah, he thought I was the last Jew on the planet." So, <laughs> so. Um, she said to me one time, like, you know, he wanted to be religious, but I said, Joe, that night, maybe, you, I went through the war the same way you went through the war, and I can't live like this, you know? My baby's more firm than me, because she's... Really? Yeah. Because, right now? Yeah. Because she still says, thank God, after everything, 
and please God. So she's more um, connected than you, but not necessarily observant. Yeah. In your what you think, obviously. I mean, who knows? yeah, who knows? Right? Like she she lights Shabbos candles, she cries every week. She's very special. Wow. And like so, and she'll every time she's like, you know, I can't complain. She's very like humble before God. She really is. She still lives in Florida. Yeah. How old is she now, Kalina? Kalina, ninety-five. Whoa. Yeah. She's still it? kicking. Le- and le- uh, kicking because of the soccer problem. <laughs> yeah. The the she's totally with it. She lives on her own. My mother's there with her. Your mother's there now full time. Full time. Your parents divorced? Did I not? No, but they kind of don't get along anyway. So. Okay. My mother was like, um, "Bye to you." Yeah. All right, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, okay, so you grew up because I, when I met you, I remember like oh, it's called nothing. In the if I recall your your speech at the end of that trip was I was about to convert to Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for a boy or something, and now I'm going to Israel becoming no. the oldest girl ever. We're gonna get that story. That's a great it story. It wasn't about. I wasn't gonna convert. I was like, why do I have to marry a Jew? I was gonna right. marry like a non-Jew. Right. I was willing to anyway. So okay, so you grew up like that, but you went to public school. I went to public school. You went to public school. My your sister, siblings, your everybody. No, went. they went to help. My older siblings went to help. <laughs> your older siblings went to help. Yes. How did I never know that? I, I don't know. In the end, they, and my sister went to Hafter, and my brother switched to public school, and my sister switched to public school, but they they went to hell. Really? Yes. I went to public school through and through my little... What's school. the ages? 49, 44. Oh, okay. So they're they're actually older than me or my, so I did not teach them. I taught young, but not that young. No. Um, they don't have... And they do have the same last name as you. Yes. Huh. Okay, wow, I never knew that. So they went to hell, but are they, are they observing these days? No. No, they're not. My brother is like, comp- he's with like a non-Jew. They want to have are you kids. you close with them? He's they want to have kids? He's 40-something? She's like, apparently, I just learned this from my older sister. She's in her 30s. I didn't know this. Oh, wow. But they're like, he works, they're like techies. Like, he's an attorney, but for techie people. Got it. And she's like a science nerd, right. so... They, they go together. So they'll just create a child in a lab or something. Right, something like away. that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they just did like all sorts of genetic testing. They're like, there's one fiftieth of a fifty chance this and that. Uh, what, that she might be Jewish? No, oh. that, I don't know, the kid will have this, that, and the other. They're doing every oh, test. as if they can control it. Yeah. That's cute. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so, so nobody, are they... Are they supportive? Are they open? Are they antagonistic towards... My brother's a little bit antagonistic. He won't say anything. To, I don't talk about it with him. My older sister is open to it. Um, she is very supportive of me, and she always was. Um, you know, one time she's like, you know, I was in the grocery store, and I was I had something in my hand, and I was like, you know, I, let me just buy the kosher one. I almost cried. Like, it was just, like, so special. She had two choices. She said, why not? That's Let me just... It was big for her. That's huge. And then one time in shul, I started davening shul nasrei, and I was like, what? Oh, because they know how to daven. Yeah, I'm like, know? you know this? She's like, of course I know this. I didn't, like, fully grasp the way <laughs> Okay, so I don't feel bad as if I'd never listened to you talk, because you didn't really get this. No, so I didn't. So I was, I was like, in the class, yeah. Okay, so... We'll um, so you went through high school. Yeah, I went through high school. I, playing soccer... Playing soccer, was getting scattered by colleges, was going to play in college. You were that good? 
I, I remember that you used to, Yeah, I had You them. could do all those tricks and, and... Yes. Really? Yeah. Like you spent serious time training and... And going to showcases and... Yeah. I played varsity since I was in eighth grade. I had a whole career out of me. So, okay, so... Next, uh, so you're in high school, you're doing that. You're in high school, you're regular happy-go-lucky girl, or there were... I always felt less than, even though, I don't know, I always felt like left out less than. It was such... But is that average teenage girl in America things, or you felt that you were beyond that, like, even more? No, I think it's average teenage girl thing just hit me differently. Like, I let it affect me. Everybody's, like, insecure in high school, I think. Right. I just, for me, it was, I was like, I can't, like, I, I can't move because of it. There were times you had anxiety, like yeah, breathing had, and... Yes, that's actually, yeah, that's when I started having panic attacks in high school. In high school, out of nowhere. It was, it, it was out of nowhere. I thought I had food poisoning one night. And so how did your parents, what did they, What was their reaction? They were like, this is food poisoning, it's fine. You just like ate something like not great. And then, I don't even remember how we caught on that. It was like real panic attacks. But I think it was like because I thought I couldn't breathe and I was freaking out. It was that first time or there were subsequent times that it was happening and then you're like, this is not, I'm not having eaten I was there, that much poison. There, That was the first time, really. I mean, I was always fearful as a kid, but I never, like, I don't know that I ever panicked. But then... How old was this? The, the actual panic attack? Yeah. I was, like, 16. Okay. And then I, yeah. And at this point, you're a good girl in high school and you... Boys, drugs, any of that stuff? Or? There were definitely boys and drinking, but again, my parents were so strict. Like, I would come home drunk, and they would be like, you're grounded for six weeks or a month. And then, like, it would, I would be grounded for a very long time, and then I would go out and do it again. I basically never left my house because of that. It would stick? Like, you would listen to them? Like, most kids, if they're going out drinking, you know... I, I was not allowed to leave my house for, like, six weeks. And you'd listen. You'd... You were fearful. Yes, I was fearful of my parents. Yeah, but not enough when you were out with your friends to stop you from doing stupid no, things. No, that I loved right away. That was. Like, this is. What was the first time you take a drink? The first time I ever took a drink, I was yeah. like 13, 12. When was the first time you got drunk? Maybe fifteen. Do you remember what it felt like at the time or after? Yeah, it felt Are you amazing. Good? You were a good drunk. I like. Well, I get sick. I can. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't start getting sick till the later years, but yeah, I was able to hold my own for a while but then after and afterwards you were fine and like the next morning the next morning or after yeah I would like go running the next morning serving the porcelain god no I wasn't I would go running the next morning I remember yes so it wasn't even affecting your your career or your future did you think at that point that I'm going to be a soccer superstar like that's where I'm going I wanted to play in college but then I'm not sure what I think and it was hard, like, it was like panic attacks, and then I went on medication, and I gained weight, and because I was just... Because of the panic weak. attacks, medication? Because then I, I didn't sleep for almost a week, because I was just panicking 24-7 around the clock. You couldn't pinpoint why it was happening, and were you seeing a therapist, what were your friends doing, what were your parents doing, like, what was happening around this? I was seeing a therapist. Me and my mother used to fight, like, cats and dogs, like, bad. And then when this happened, we haven't really had a real fight ever since. She just always wanted me to be okay. She um, laid off with the fight because she was just too... 
over she laid, too much. She laid a, a lot of for, the focus was like to get me sleep like better, so I yeah. could like live my life. Like I wasn't sleeping, wow. so it was it because I was just so terrified. I would have like a thought that's not realistic. Do you remember any like what? Like, what were you like, like I was afraid I was going to kill myself, but I didn't actually want to kill myself. That's a new one for me. Yeah, you you were afraid. It doesn't make sense. Right. The anxiety, panic doesn't make sense. Something scares yeah. you, and you just, it gets magnified. That's fear. That's panic. Right. Most of my fears don't make sense. You said in present tense. You still got them. Sometimes, yeah. Not re- no, but the, rarely. Like once a year, or once every few months. But do you know what to do to get through it? You have the tools now to breathe through it or to I have a, think your way through it? I still need to be medicated. I still take medication for it. Wow. Eventually, I tried to not be because of recovery, which we'll get to, but yeah. um, I spoke with my sponsor and with my doctor I'm very honest with, and right. we ultimately decided it's like the right thing to do. So is, is it purely psychological? Is it psychosomatic? Is it uh, a physical... Like, can they... Have you ever done any... Like the last young man that you might know that was here was talking about EMDR, how it helped them pinpoint that trauma. I've done EMDR; it's been it's very helpful. Did it? What did it bring up? So for me, when I did EMDR, it didn't bring up anything. It calmed me down. So it didn't it? The, I was already it, in the trauma. I was already living in a traumatic state. Uh-huh. But it started somewhere, right? Like. It did start somewhere, but I don't know where. I've always been scared. You've never been able to... My fears are so... I remember as a kid, I had a crazy fear that we were going to get, that there was going to be a burglar in in our house. So scared that I went outside, I could have sworn I saw a burglar. That's what fear did to me. Like, manifest itself. You start hearing the creaks and the noises. Yes. and And, yes, and like, if you have a fear... I'm just remembering when I was a kid... You're gonna find this one. I, I have, I totally forgot it. I used to do this. I, I had just one older sister, and uh, my parents got divorced. I don't know if it was before that. Could it be when they were younger. When I was younger, I was fifth grade when they when my mother moved out. So we had a, we had a nice size house, four stories, just me, my sister, my father. My father was out. My sister's three and a half years older. She was probably at somewhere, but I was alone a lot. So me and TV were really good friends and then um, like before I figured out that that I could talk to girls all night um, so I remember hearing things and I would, <laughs> I would stand by the door and bark and then talk to this imaginary dog that I made up and call it Killer or Rambo I'm like easy Killer easy Rambo I like in my mind I thought that someone was going to buy this outside I'm like easy Killer you already ate a burglar yesterday like easy down boy I know you're a 200 pound killing machine and I would say this out thinking oh yeah I got him whoever's out there must be peeing in their pants and running away this is my way of dealing with it's a little ridiculous now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I wonder if there's everyone I know out there that was just like, oh, that poor kid. I'm just going to go on. And I remember thinking, I'm a really good barker. Like, they're going to buy this. I could, like, get a deep one. 
Yeah, but it was the talking that really I thought put it over that like you just ate a, a big burglar yesterday, don't you remember? Oh, I thought you said a burglar. No, yeah, burglar, not oh, burglar. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As if you ate a burglar. Yeah, yeah. You still have the bones in the backyard. The whole. I, it wasn't just a, a quick story. It was a long story about how he ate the burglar and how he chumped him up. And yeah, I, would, I sit by the door having this conversation. I just uh, what we do as kids to stay alive. <laughs> right. So okay, so you would you would think these things, and it, when when did you start going to therapy? Like when did you realize that you needed it? I was or? always in therapy. My parents realized like very early on that I had a problem like regulating my emotions. Like if I like I was so scared, I was so frustrated, I would get like really just like affected by things, and I was very sensitive. Um, so if, if you go to a 12-step meeting, they'll describe this and say, oh, I was born an addict, you know? Right. I, I don't know, whatever. Do you believe that? I was definitely born predisposed to becoming one. That's what I believe. I don't know. I'm not I, sure. I don't want to give away free choice so quickly. Right. I think, I think certainly in the beginning of recovery, it's okay to think that, to allow yourself to stop being so hard on yourself. I, th- I think at a certain point you could say... I definitely believe there's that gene and there's people and there's probably a lot of predisposed addicts that never became addicts because nobody ever offered them anything because they were just never in that situation exactly and right exactly so I mean I think definitely in early on in my drinking like I had a choice whether to stop but I I did lose that choice that's what the nature when did of that happen and I think that happened probably my first year of college. And so through high school, I drank like an alcoholic. I drank like an alcoholic daily. No, what? No, because I was grounded every six months. Sometimes I would take my parents alcoholic in the morning or whatever. I guess that is pretty alcoholic. Yeah, bit. morning, getting <laughs> yeah. up, high school. Right. Yeah, I, I had oranges. <laughs> and or yeah, or there were times I drank in school also. Uh, okay, yeah, I guess it was not so normal. Well, the question, were you drinking with anybody? Sounds like not. Like in the in morning? The, in school I would, but in the morning, no. And that wasn't always, though. And that's not just pre-gaming. That's... No, it's just like I wanted some whiskey. Right. Whiskey for a, for a high school girl in the morning who was serious about sports. Right. And staying in shape. Right. But it wasn't a lot of times. It was just... And when I drank, I drank like an alcoholic. Like when I did drink. It wasn't just a sip. No, never. So even the, those morning drinks were a no, lot No, the, like, the morning drinks were a sip, but I'm saying the times when I went out to drink with people. Yeah. Or you get trashed. Yeah, I thought that was the point. Right. Uh, I think a that, lot of people think that. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Like, I mean, I have, if I remember, sometimes like a shot at my Shabbos thing, but otherwise I uh, just stay away from the stuff. Right. Um, unless it's perm. And then at the point, it's, it's to go. Exactly. My wife's like, are you just going to drink a little this year? I'm like, I don't think you're getting this. No, that's no, not, if I'm that's doing not it, the point. <laughs> I go, I, I'm, if I'm going, I'm going big. Right, brace yourself. Um, <laughs> okay, so... so but it, Sorry, so you guys are therapy. Yeah. So you were going to therapy from when? From like six years old, a social worker came to oh, my house. Oh, wow. Yeah, to, to play with me and I, that was, and she was, she came for a few years and then she came back again when I was like 12 because I just, I don't remember exactly why, but always fearful I was always just a scared kid and I had one time a therapist tell me what you go through is a direct hit from Hitler I said that's an interesting theory a little 
attenuated, but there is literature on it that like trauma gets passed down. I guess is that what were your grandparents always talking about the Holocaust? I think it was more of like a mindset of how they lived. They like lived? a trauma changes a person, and sometimes uh, that the mindset of somebody that's traumatized, if you are acting like that all the time, it could. Right. Which I'm not criticizing anyone, especially sure. the survivors. I would never. My right. gra- that's why I, I, my grandmother, after what she went through, I'm telling you, she's more firm than me. Right. Or like, thank God. Right. It's like bigger than anything I'll ever say. Agreed. So she, yeah, so she, I think like, you know, my mother was neurotic. And yeah, it definitely gets passed down yeah. to the something, but I, I like, my grandparents are all Holocaust survivors. Not neurotic? No, oh yeah. They're, I mean, uh, you know, the healthiest ones left first. Um, my grandmother and grandfather on my father's side when in their 50s. My grandmother died and my grandfather 28 days later called his, my father and his sister in the room and said Hashem took my malach my angel and I, I'm, I don't want to stay two days later he died on Shloshim of my grandmother wow 50 something years old strong healthy guy oh um, and my grandfather was my, my mother's father was hit by a car at 7 years old and exactly. my grandmother lived another 20 uh, something years without him um and then at 83 she died a few years ago but she she had the most trauma of all of them so she was the most difficult to understand um you know everyone else didn't really speak that much about it and we're but uh actually I I don't know because my grandmother and grandfather my father thought I was a little kid okay it's not about me um no but you know what you read to us one time on Madrigos that changed my life yeah I don't remember. But. Well, it was by Elie Wiesel, um, his his "Let's Make Up" oh, um, article. Yeah, in the New York Times. And I and sometimes I read it. I have it on my phone ever since you. Yeah, the young Kipper. Yeah, and I it, I cry every time. It's amazing. It's the only oh, answer me, is no answer. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great article. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. That's I think it's, he wrote that for Yom Kipper like in 1990 or something like that. Um, it took him many, many years to get there, and he and his entire life was Holocaust. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, and and, and you've you've done obviously you've done a lot of work. You there's never been that one trauma, that one thing, whether it be something truly traumatic or that you feel. No, I mean, not that I know of. People like when I got to rehab, they were asking me all sorts of things. Did this ever happen to you? Did that that ever happened to you? No. Right. No, nothing. Uh, I, yeah. I can't, nothing that I can think of. I look. I, me and my, I, I don't know. I was always just a scared kid. I was always scared. It could be. Well, I, I'm seeing much more of it now. But you're, you're older now. I mean, not old, but you're older. Oh. I, it didn't. It didn't ha- like now. I, I get calls. I'm always getting like once a week where someone's telling me about their kid and saying, I don't know what it is. They're just they're angry. They're scared. They're depressed. They're they're just not functioning, and and they can't tie it to any one thing. Right. So I had actually a, a client. Um, I was seeing a kid for for speech, and the mom started crying to me. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I guess they don't talk about emotions so much, but she's like, my two year old said he wants to kill himself. What? And I was like, 
Um, definitely address that with your pediatrician. Um, obviously, I said, you know, but I... I feel like my heart just stopped. Yeah, sorry. I feel because... I should have warned you. Because <laughs> I feel like I've heard so much in my life and talked to some... Like, that just... Two-year-old... So I so what I said was I actually I actually know a number of children that talk like that and when they not to yeah but then when their parents react they do it more right they don't really gra- grasp the concept I think what I think happened over there is that I think one of the adults in the house must he, have said like oh my gosh I'd rather kill myself like something and oh. he heard it from somewhere and I think he was just starting to grasp the concept of death. I don't know why he's two, but I guess, I don't know, I'm not sure why, but, and he said, and so I think he said that, and he just associates it with, like, I just... Can it just be he just said it? Like, at two years old, like... Well, no, she's saying that he would say things like, my feeling tank is empty, I'm bored, I just want to lay here, so... My feeling But I got him talking. So that's really cute... My feeling tank. <laughs> I didn't teach him that, but yeah. I don't. I, I feel like I should go get a feeling tank. <laughs> That's something so cool to have. Okay, so so you've been in therapy, and you're going so, like so weekly. He, we're talking about weekly. She would come every week, and she would give. I remember she would give me these little cards, like when you're feeling scared or whatever, frustrated, go take a bubble bath, like something. I don't think. It, I don't know how helpful these things were. This was someone that was seeing cousins of mine. And they recommended whatever to us, and then when I uh, she came back, then I stopped seeing her, and then I started seeing this other therapist through high school. And was that helpful? She was the one who convinced me to take medication. Uh-huh. I mean, she didn't convince me, but when I started not sleeping, she was like, "Take Tylenol PM," which is I'm not going to say her name because that. It's got to be, I don't know if that's how ethical that, I had no idea. I was going to say. Yeah, but she wanted me to sleep. She was concerned until we got an appointment with the doctor. Right. Um, I, I was like. Came from a good place. Yeah, no, definitely. And my older sister was like, she needs to sleep. And I was too scared to take the Tylenol PM. I was scared to take anything. Like Why? I was just scared of every single thing. That's, I was just such anxiety. Even at this point that you were drinking a little here and there? At that point, I stopped drinking. I was too scared. I didn't do anything. I would like exercise and that's it. I was just living in panic. About what? I was afraid I was afraid I was going to ki- I was afraid I was going to kill myself because I read it in a book. Did you have boyfriends during this time? I had a boyfriend who I broke up with because I thought he was the problem. Like I thought he was making it's funny, the book, this is a very interesting story. I, I don't really know. I'm sure some therapists could have like a field day like with my mind, but there was a book called The Pact by Jody Picoult. And this couple had a suicide pact. And she's like, the, the girl wanted to kill herself because she decided if she couldn't live, she felt like she could, she, she was dating her boyfriend since they were like, I don't know, four, because they yeah. were like family friends. And that she became like 18 years old and she couldn't picture her life without him and that scared her. And she's like, if I, if she couldn't live without him, then she couldn't live at all. She didn't want to live at all. So she killed herself. It's a fiction book. Right? It's a fiction book. Yeah, Jodi Bacolt is like, I mean, I don't think she's listening, but she, I don't know, she has to have some sick kind of imagination to write what she writes. I never read another book of hers after that. But um, I was scared. 
I didn't feel that way, but I was scared that was going to be me because I had a boyfriend for years. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't. What if I? What if that happens to me? Jewish or not Jewish? Jewish. Yeah. Jewish. Um, not religious, but I remember like sitting at eating shrimp with him, and I was like, you know, we're going to have a kosher kitchen, right? I thought I was going to marry him. We like said it that we were going to marry. And and at this point, when you're eating shrimp, why would you say we, we know we're going to have a kosher kitchen? I don't know. I don't know. I always felt connected to something. Who did you have in your life outside that rabbi that would like look like me, like represent? Nobody, not one person. And yet you're thinking you're and playing my, like where'd you get Mordechai and David? I don't know. My dad had it. My dad had it. He played it in the car. I don't know where he got it. He okay. loves Jewish music. And he's like, Mordechai and David's going to be at your wedding, and I'm like, loser. He's not. Like when I was in high school with my non-Jewish I know, I friends, can, I can look that up for you if you want. Oh, thank you. My dad would be very happy. Okay, <laughs> remind me when the time comes. Like I was like, that's no. People can't know I like this stuff. Like I'm in like non-Jewish school and non-Jewish friends. No. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. By the way, you don't need to know more of David. If anyone's listening to get him, I think you could just hire him. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he won't do if there is no chamechitza. For sure, going to be my pizza by my wedding okay, against good. my mother's better, but whatever doesn't matter. Um, okay, so you had this boyfriend. It's, yeah. You obviously think it's serious enough. I don't remember ever talking about marriage with any of my girlfriends in high school. Um, well, he was I think going that, off to college. I think the second they would have, I've been like, yeah, I gotta go. Yeah, no, he asked me to marry him in high school. Yeah, he didn't like propose, but he's like, "Will you marry me? Will you please?" He's like, "Yes." Wow. Okay. Um, and what, do you know where this guy is today? Yeah, he is married. Well, he, you know, it's funny. Outside, I was sitting outside on my porch like a few months ago, and he ro- he stopped by and he rolled down his window, and I'm like, he's like, oh, we've uh, got to delete that. <laughs> okay, thirty-seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he, I see it's him. And I'm like, I'm like, hi. He's like, hi. And I knew he got married. I don't know how I, I heard through the grapevine he got married. Yeah. And he said to me, you look great. I'm like, thanks. I heard you got married. I'm very happy for you. He drove away. And I was like, if you would have asked me, we, we sat on that same spot breaking up outside my house. How many years prior? Twelve. I thought the world was ending. I thought it was over. Like, my, I thought, like, the world would, like, I didn't know how... And yet you broke up with him because you thought he, you'd have to commit suicide with him. I thought that I would have be in a codependent relationship my whole life. Even, and, and looking back now, is the relationship healthy? Normal? To the extent high school relationships are? I don't are? think so, because we were both, we both eventually became addicts. It's, it's very weird. Our sober dates are two days apart. Um, same year. I spoke to him. I'll, uh, I'll get to that. I'll call, yeah. called him from rehab and everything. Um, but he... We were both, like, these two kids that were, like, predisposed to being addicts. And the relationship was very, like, based off of, like, that. Toxic. Yeah, it was, like, toxic. So I think I was onto something. I just didn't know have the words for it. Okay, so you, you go to high school... You got this boyfriend pretty much through high school? Yeah, through high school. 
and you're drinking, you're playing soccer. Yeah. How were your grades? Like how you were still my grades? If I didn't get, if I got below a ninety, my mother was like, "Whoa, I'm very glad she did that." By the way, yeah. Right. <clears throat> so she, you, your mom kept you on track. Yeah. They had no clue though. That you're drinking or no? They I mean, did because I got caught, caught right. every single time. Right. They wouldn't let me sleep out because they knew I wanted a drink. Like, nope, Any of your siblings dealt with this? Or did any of them know oh, about your issues? I meant my, they deal with them themselves. Oh, or? themselves? No, they're like normal people, and normal people. they could just like drink or not. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so and then you went to college, and then I went to a year. Well, I was having these panic attacks, and my dad's like, "Come to show with me." And I'm like... He's all... Through this time, he's always going to shul. You stop going, but he's going every every Shabbos? He's going every Shabbos. I stopped going so long ago. I didn't... I would go when they forced me. I don't know. Wow. So, he's going... You sat next to him when you went? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was next to him. So, he's going still to Island Park? Yeah. To that shul? Yeah. That's him. Yeah. The rabbi was still there? The rabbi was still there. Um... And I get there, and he's saying the bar Torah and the parsha, and I was like, "She got there late." Basically, I don't. Okay. Yeah, must have. Okay. And um, I don't know. My father would sit there. My father like sit there, he'd play on his phone. It's just like bizarre. I don't know. Like I just thought that these things were normal. Well, it was a ritual. That's what he did. He went to shul. Like right? he just went to shul. Many Orthodox do that too. Right. He also learned Gemara. Like he. He learned Gemara. Yeah. Yeah. You had you had Gemaras in your house? No. He went to Gemara Shear and learned Gemara with his friends. His lawyer friends. I don't know the American Bar Association does something or other. Like you fought as a lawyer? Yeah. Wow, okay. See, so it's so interesting. So he took me to shul. Yeah. And he's like, I want you to know that everybody has their stuff and everybody suffers and everybody has problems. He's like, this guy here told me his... It's like, this guy here told me his... That, that woman over there that's what's happening they're all anonymous heroes yeah. yeah yeah and this person this is what she goes through you know this person's kid blah 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 he's like you're not him. and then I heard it's the rabbi message yeah and then I heard the rabbi say something because I felt alone yeah. I didn't know what was happening to me right. and the rabbi was saying this bar Torah I don't I wish I remember what Parsha it was but he said and we imagine problems where there are none and I knew what I was going through was like I needed help with like it was a it was I was it was anxiety I had right. like a real anxiety disorder that's really what it was right and my thoughts were not rational because I was living in fear that's just what happens and um, meaning they're not completely meaning a person can kill themselves they're right. not impossible it wasn't, it wasn't like aliens you weren't right. worried about aliens right. coming and turning into a banana right exactly right. no it's always something that technically could happen right like it was not you know so um so when when the rabbi said that I was like oh and I just started I was like that's and I felt the calmest I've ever felt I felt in like how old was this 18 16 16 or 17 okay um, and I felt the calmest I had felt in like weeks. From those few words. The first five minutes of peace from when my father sat me down in shul. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll come back. But I didn't, I don't know if I went back, but I started going to NCSY. And the rest was, then I met you in Asian. Oh, so you were going to NCSY? That was my senior year of high school already. 
what, going to their Shabbatones, to their their things? That's how you met our other friend, Kate? I met her. I went to high school with her. Okay. But we never spoke in high school. I'm so curious. Uh, how, do you keep in touch with her? Yeah, I just spoke to her like last week. Really? Yeah, she's good. Single, married? Or no, single. Single? Yeah, we have to for her. Religious? Religious. Really? She kept with it? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I think she has her, her sh- she has her struggles, especially COVID and you yes. know stories. But you gotta have her on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. Her she story. is. Yeah. She is. So we didn't say a word to each other in high school. We were even in the same driver's ed car. Oh, I barely spoke to her. Just remind me. Making a mental note here. Yeah. I mean, it's not mental. I'm putting it mental. Yeah. Um. So, okay. So, because when you when I met you guys, you guys were. You know, thick as thieves. Yeah, because we started going to NTSY together, and I was like, literally, when I broke up with my boyfriend and I started having panic attacks, I stopped drinking. My soccer sort of went to the like wayside a little bit. Your coach let that happen. My coach, yeah. I mean, I I showed up. I showed up. Right. But I wasn't like playing as good as I I could, and I wasn't doing as much as I could and the medication I gained, I gained weight um, it was just harder to run but I don't have any regrets like I needed to be I needed help and there's no shame in that right um, so it was you know just anxious it needed to be medicated that's all there is to it um, but so I stopped drinking because I was just so scared all the time well, the drinking would also mess with the medication I'm sure yeah I didn't care about that I just yeah. didn't want to drink in a panic attack like that didn't sound fun to me Right. I wanted to take Xanax in a panic attack. Okay. So you're going to NCSY. Things started calming down? Started, yeah, with the medication. And also I was taking Xanax, like, as prescribed at that right. time. So things were calming down. I didn't care what anyone thought of me anymore, all my popular friends, like, whatever. Because if they knew I was an NCSY, I would be like, who is there? You right. Know? Um, I didn't yeah. care. I was like, I, I don't... NCSY Long Island also wasn't the coolest of all the NCSYs. Well, all my friends were not Jewish. They were right. like, what are you doing going to some churchy thing? Yeah. You know? So did it, not because it was Jewish, just because it was religious. Yeah. It's weird. Like, you're going on purpose? Your parents right. aren't forcing you? Right. And what was the draw for you? Friendships? The calm? God? Like, um, do you remember feeling... To NCSY? Yeah. Okay, so first it was like, latte and learn. And then that was God, and my and I had questions. And this poor NCSY advisor, I would ask him like big questions because I had big questions, and he's like, "I want to get back to you." <laughs> this poor schmuck. Do you remember who it was? <laughs> yeah, but I can't tell you now because I just called him a schmuck. But yeah. I didn't mean that he is one. Right. Just like it's poor okay, guy. So now you could say it was Ari Smith. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I keep in touch with him. Oh, okay, send him regards. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, he's very nice. Right, nice but he was very young. He was very young. Yeah. He's like, that's a great question. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Sometimes he would have answers, but he'd be like, you know. Like, yeah. So um, he's a very nice person. He's a wonderful he guy. He really is. Big heart. So, and me and and me and my friend would go um, to these Lock learns. Right. Okay. And uh, we, yeah, and then he was like, how would you like to go on this cool weekend with music and people your age. And the other girl was like, I'm down. Right, she's yeah for anything. Yeah. And I was like, I guess. Like, I have nothing to lose. I'm just, like, panicking and anxious all the time. Or I'm on Xanax and I'm fine. So right. I'll go. And I went and, like, 
I guess coming out of like such a close relationship at such a young age and then seeing boys and girls separate really spoke to me. I was like, things are done healthily here. I, th- I think that's what was my thought, even though they're even though they're not always. But right. I'm saying it, the first impression that I got right. was was that. And then it's funny about perspectives. Like from you came from like this is so separate. Like someone come from bar park to like what the heck's going on here? You're right. all like right. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> and there were religious girls my age. I only ever knew like my Zadie would walk in and be like, good Shabbos, like whatever. Yeah. I never like even my father would come home from school. He wouldn't say good Shabbos. Like right. It would just like I only ever heard like saw old people be religious. Uh, you know. But in Long Beach, there's, there's a lot of Jews. You didn't see, I mean, first of all, there's a massive of Long Beach. Yeah, you didn't but see those guys walking around? Not, not really. Sometimes. Was your house near there? I don't know if you're anywhere. My house you're not is more, it's basically like a block away from Lido, my house. So it's like, that's the middle of town in Masifta. And my right. high school's in Lido. And that other young lady, Kay, she's like closer. I closer dropped her off me. once. Closer to me, but not, but, up, up, but up, towards there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I think she actually went to them for Shabbos once. She said, you should come with me. I, yeah, I think she did. To the Rabbi Robertson. I don't know who they are, what, her, what their names were. Interesting. Well, but, for her to get out of her house was... Yeah. Life saving. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. So then I just, I, I started going a lot to learn and then all these things. And then I was done with high school. So NCSI was over for me. Yeah. What was I going to do? And then I was really drunk at a party in, in my first year. Of, like, I don't even know if college started yet. It was like, but I was at a party with people from my college. Yeah. This is the local college, the one that, that I yeah. used to meet you at sometimes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like, just, I don't even know what I'm saying that's making any sense, but I'm like, I said something like, I really love Israel. I had never been to Israel. My father is a very big Zionist. But I was always like, Israel seems like the problem, Dad. They're always in trouble. Right. And if you are getting into fights with a lot of people, aren't you the issue, not the people? Yeah. And that's just like what I thought. Because I didn't know anything. Okay. And he was like, you don't know what you're talking about, and I didn't. Um, but we weren't educated in school, really, about Israel right. and whatever. So I, I was like, I love Israel. I, and this guy comes up to me. He's like, you know what? You would love this man that you know. Um name starts also with a K guy um last name starts with an F oh okay yeah, yeah. yeah. and he came, he's like you know what you would love and I'm like what he was like at this party and I'm like he's like you would love to go to H like what was it H Connections or something oh he went to, he went to Costa Rica trip some trip Greece maybe no um, I think he, he did he did Costa Rica trip then he did Greece Every once in a while, we still speak as well. Really? Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, we try to Is keep he in touch. Now he became, he lost. Um, it's so hard to keep it. It's very hard. Once we the fire we actually in. worked on. I'll tell you more about this after. Yeah. We worked on a program, an app, to help people stay connected. That's so nice. I wrote up a whole thing on it. I have it somewhere. We were trying to work on it and to connect people easier no matter where they are in life, to somebody that can help guide them. And we were going to make it like, um, what's the word, when it's like open to anybody, all religions. Uh, Interfaith? Um, yeah, you t- uh, uh, uni- something like that. Something. 
universal whatever it's not the word I was looking for but anyway whatever it is open to everybody and connect people even so if you're a Catholic guy and you need a connecting to to a priest and I mean the goal is obviously to help mostly the Jews and stay connected it's like it's really hard we're out there I'm out of work I'm like I'm not connected to you anymore you're working on you're talking to the next person and because uh, I asked him we met for like coffee I'm like what happened you know I, you know me I'm, I'll just say it like yeah. it is I'm not going to be like oh I, 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 you look great well, I uh, noticed not, that yeah. you're not wearing right. something on your yeah. so he's like it's not I, I didn't stop believing it just you know you can't maintain that when you're not in the base medicine and, uh, and you know he felt like uh, like he really lost it but we, we tried to identify the problem we tried to create something Someone else told me that they were working on creating it. Someone from a bigger organization. So I kind of left it alone. I, I see it never happened. I still have a, a it's a whole concept that I, one day. Sounds I'm like do, a well, I got to do this. I got. I'm working on my book. God willing. You're writing a book. Can't wait to read it. Yeah, you may have to wait because <laughs> because I lost the USB that had the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I really hope it turns out. So um, I actually. Yeah. Who uses USB? You don't see the thing. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being <laughs> the next person to tell me how stupid I am for Sorry, not saving no, the No, I appreciate it. No, no, no. It's what I need to hear because I need to do it. I, I'm, I'm, I re, re started working on it again last week. So God, yeah, God should yeah. give me the ability to do it. I mean, you have better ideas this time. No, I'm actually, I had the whole beginning done and I'm on a fog and I can't get that back. I don't remember. Anyway, okay. Well, you'll pray and uh, Hashem will give me the koach and the, the wisdom to bring it back. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so you're, you're in college, so Kate comes up to you and says... You can go, go to Kate. Chile. Yeah, oh, it was a Chile trip. Right, so I'm like, I say to other girl, Kay, we're going to Chile. And the guy's like, well, you need to go to this bowling alley. <laughs> All right, we were doing it, yeah. <laughs> and you need to go to like ten of them, these like shears, and you'll then it, you'll see if you qualify for like this subsidized trip to Chile. So I'm like, okay, and I tell my friend from high school, we're we're going, you're coming, and then we sit, we go there, and we go for this interview, quote unquote, with you, and you ask us what kind of toothpaste we use as the interview question. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't remember the interview at all, but I interviewed hundreds. It's not yeah, fair. No, no, I, I remember you on the trip. So obviously, I, I you were on the trip. Right? No, that I, I remember, okay. and I'm going to go. I'm going to. I want to set that up because okay. I think that people have to understand your mindset or, or how you appeared coming into that trip. So I remember you in the beginning of that trip. You're already thinking about the Israel trip. No, I'm thinking about the Chile trip because okay. I remember being on the bus. I remember where we were. I remember weird people were following us or something. Some of the guys got something stolen or oh, there, there was something that happened in the yeah. beginning. Creepies were following us at a certain point. We were walking through the city and uh, I don't remember the name. Um, Santiago? Parizo, oh, Something know. like that. Oh, I don't remember that. Okay, so yeah. one second. So all right, so you started coming. Yeah, what was your first impression? So you interviewed with me. So okay. first I said, like, I use a line that you used that day. And you're like, well, how'd you grow up? I'm like, Jewish, but not as Jewish as you. You're like, we're all the same Jewish. Hitler would have thrown you and me into the same fire. And I remember right. being like, <laughs> and because I wanted to be like, wait, you don't know. Like, my family died in the Holocaust. Like, you can't say that. Like, and then, like, I was like, no, he's right. And I still use it. Like, I still use it today. And I think you, but I don't credit you because okay. I don't say like, 
because they don't know you. Right. People I tell to, it's usually people I'm arguing with. Well, now that when this podcast hits the press and the Everyone thousands will listen, know. then you're going to be like, Rabbi Shalom Yonah Weiss coined that. Zeros, yeah. <laughs> so, um, as he started coming, okay, so the interview, I guess, went well. Um, I don't know, it was chilly. And, and so you went to the class. What were you thinking during those classes? I don't remember what I was thinking. I remember just thinking, I just want to be filmed. That's it. And I would go, and I would go out on Thursday nights and be a psycho, crazy drunk person, party girl, whatever. And then Fridays it was Shabbos. And I went away, I went to a friend, like every week, for Shabbos. At this point, your sister? My sister was like, I will never be religious, my little sister. The little one, wow. Yeah. Okay, so you're, because she of was the hypocrisy? No, she was always connected too. She just thought, like, she was in public school also. I actually thought, this is what She's I like, am. This is weird. Yeah. Right. But it wasn't because she saw you doing two different things with your life. No, because I wasn't living at home. I was living in the dorm. Ah. So she didn't see me. She saw me sometimes when I was home. At that point, my parents stopped grounding me. Thank God. That was was just ridiculous. But um, not because they were poor parents. Because I wanted a party and they ruined my time. But it's okay. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so that was that. And I went and Shabbos, I went to a friend. Which I tried a religious to friend? Yeah, from friend. Where did you meet that friend? I think... Was it one of the Majichot? One of the... It wasn't one of the Majichot, but somehow through NCSY. Through NCSY. But it, they didn't work there. I don't know. Maybe they were one of the other... You know, they had from kids in NCSY. It was. Right. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how she, they came into my life, but I used to go to them a lot for Shabbos. Right. And... In, in Long Beach? In Long Beach. Yeah. And, um, you know, they were, you know, really, you know, I have a lot of cars to tell for them. I should thank them. Um, I mean, I have in the past, but I was like, mm-hmm. I always want to tell the people, like, I'm firm because of you and Hashem, obviously, but like, whatever, it should be a for you every time that I right. keep in life. It's amazing. You know, because yeah. like, it's not because of me. I didn't do it alone. Right. I, um. Nobody ever did. No. Well, right. Not one. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to Shabbos, but you're still drinking. And I'm, yeah, my, at that point I started getting sick in the morning. You would, ah, uh, the drinking was affecting It was affecting me. I was getting like, I didn't feel well the next day. Like a little bit, but I wasn't like, I was still like, Saturday night I'm drinking again. Like, you know. So you were looking forward to Shabbos and so you start drinking again? That was a little bit later where I was like, I just want to start drinking now. But um, at that point it was like, Shabbos is ending. I wasn't like looking forward to it so I could drink. Like, I were think you, I still was normal a little bit. Were you drinking to the point where you were putting yourselves in in dangerous positions? Were you... Yes. N- yeah. Guys of the... Yeah. So I had good friends, thank God. They always looked out for me. Mm-hmm. And there were a few situations they got me out of. Yeah. So there was never where you had to wake up the next morning and say, Oh my God, I can't believe what happened last night? No, there were. There were. I mean, they didn't... They got me out of danger. Got it. But not, like, shameful things. Right. Like, you know, that was the worst part of... I remember, I like, just starting to remember things that I, I did at, at that point in my life. Like, in recovery, remembering. Because I don't... Right. It didn't come back to me all at once. Right. But I, it started to, and I, I had so much shame. I was like, what? 
I did that and I was confused. And Especially I was being from or, or... Trying to be from right. and trying to get back to being from and also remembering these things, I was Especially confused. Especially you keep saying back to being from. Because, because remember, I tried to be from the first time. I tried oh, to be from uh, you're talking about the second time. Okay, so let's get there. So, yeah, sorry. Okay, so, so you, you come to Chile. Yeah. And I'll tell you, our, our, as one of the rabbis on the trip, first of all, you guys were asking every question under the sun... I'm like, dude, it's not class time. We're just on a bus. I just want to chill. Look, I go to sleep, and you're like, I got another Christian rabbi. I got another Christian rabbi. Why don't we go to Israel? I want to go to seminary. And like, like I think it was day two where both of you were like, by the way, we're going to seminary. I don't know what the next ship is. We're going to seminary. Where are we by skirts? I, 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 uh, can we no, start covering our hair now? What, what can we do? I'm like, I was still wearing shorts at that point. I know, but you were asking about skirts. Was I, I? Yes, you were asking about you. skirts. You were asking about going to seminary. You're like, you know, is 10 years too little? Uh, you want to sit and learn and study Torah? And, and, and I remember meeting with, with, you know, Rabbi Dave, and we, we talk about like the kids or whatever. And I like, right, we called you kids, but we were kids back then. I'm like, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm a little too good. It's very exciting. This girls are into it. But these two, little, uh, my antennas are up. And those antennas stayed up for the next two and a half, three years of your life. Where I was like, she is moving at breakneck speed, but she's not. But really, your, your right. talk was, and I remember you even calling from Israel. Many times we had conversations, you called from Israel. And you're like, Baruch Hashem, things are great. And Chaz Hashem. And I'm like, well, that's... She speaks firmer than I do, but the questions you that we would then ask me, how do I know the like, real? Yeah, <laughs> right. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Something's up here. Like you were back to basics. I was very confused. And but you were bought in in the world of action, but you weren't bought in in the world of thought. Your heart was probably somewhere in the middle and fluctuated back and forth. If I had to guess, yeah. And and I remember telling my wife. Because my friend knew you at this point, and you had been by us, and I'm like, I am really worried about her. I was so worried that whole year. So okay, so you came to to Chile. By the way, yeah. that year in Israel, that's I went to rehab straight from seminary. Right. That's I was. I, was I don't know what up. happened, but I know I'll that. Tell, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we'll take me this. It. So you went to Chile. You, you t- take take the no, no, you, you. No, no, I, I that, that I remember you playing soccer. I remember you telling me, and then and then. After Chile, we used to, we used to, you and I met yeah, up a lot to learn, yeah. right? And, um, and we continued learning, and through that time, I feel like when you were back out of Chile and you weren't in it, you, you kind of, like, found some equilibrium. I remember during that, like, because it was six months till then Israel, right? But right. Just to fill everybody in, in the, like, care of world, you, you go on an AV trip, it's called Alternative Venue. Alternative venue, which means you sucker the kids into, <laughs> yeah. into thinking, well, You're Judaism is amazing, and Costa Rica, and Ireland, and Greece, and all these places. Yeah, we went to Ireland. Right. Yeah. And uh, right. Oh, remember, we were cursed at by that Irish lady in front of the hotel, and I... and I. Uh, Why don't I remember that? Oh, uh, this drunk Irish woman. We were... If you remember, the first hotel in Ireland that we went to, the streets in Dublin were very, very thin, and the sidewalk was tiny. And we were trying to get into this little Holiday Inn for that first night in Ireland, and this drunk woman went off on everybody. So like, Rabbi, why is come out? So I went out, and and I just I had a great time with her. I was just <laughs> like, 
like, were you not hugged as a child? <laughs> she was cursing you effing Jews. And like, do you want to hug? Is that what it is? I'll get you a hug right now. Yeah, like, we're going to take care of this. Yeah. And it just enraged her more that I was not getting enraged and, and, and getting involved with this. Right. I'm like, like, you need some love. <laughs> your, did, who was it, your mom or your dad? Who, who, who are we talking about? And she's like, and she just walked, stormed away. And everyone's not like, that was awesome. That was just the best way. That's so funny. So, okay, so you don't remember that. That there was, was like a, a lot heroic of, moment for me. Darn, I missed it. Um, there was a lot, that, at that point, there was like a lot of, I started like, I already started abusing my pills by then. I don't have a good memory from that year because I forget what I had for breakfast. Like, were you seeing a non-Jew before the chili trip? No, he was Jewish. Well, I remember we had the banquet at the end of chili. So we, so just to fill everyone, okay. we go to an alternate venue trip. Then there's like a semester back in college. During that semester, there's like learning, uh, you know, some type of meeting at once a week with the rabbi or or actual like uh, classes. And then if the if the student's ready, then they go to Israel for a trip. And the goal is, you know, see if you can get them to stay forever and ever in Israel. <laughs> um, um, a handful of people do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you were already like, I'm going to Israel on the next thing. And I'm getting, That's it. And then at the banquet you spoke. And I recall... I vaguely remember this. I recall you saying, um, this was amazing. I, I thought I was... You know, I, I remember you were saying... I was thinking about converting to Catholicism, but I guess it was maybe to marry this marrying guy or a, like marrying a Catholic guy. Yeah. So when were you seeing that guy? Oh wait, wait, no, <coughs> you're right, you're right. I'm because I was, <laughs> I was, I don't remember saying that, but I remember there was a time where I was lost. I would have went to I, my dad took me to shul, thank God, but I would have right. went anywhere. If I would have found comfort in the church, I would have stayed. Because later on. I'm skipping ahead a little. We had a conversation where you had referenced that, that that relationship may have messed with your mind a little bit. A lot of relationships mess with my mind. So that one, that guy, he was just completely not religious. He was, he's married to Nam June now and has a kid. Uh, okay. Yeah. So you got up and said, and then the ship came along, and now I just I want to be. Like it probably solidified it for me because at first I know when my father took me to shul that time it was all about me like it wasn't necessarily a relationship with Hashem it was just like I feel comforted here right so that was like the only thing I had to really go on right but I think learning and being with you guys and the chili and this and that probably solidified things for me okay so so now you tell us so so when did pills and drinking start and when did you, you you went to Israel you were in the middle of of your schooling no already in college I was taking my pills as the Xanax as prescribed and for a while and then I got to college and I started to not take it as prescribed I like I would just it would be like I just wanted to take it and I would just take it like that was it um but it was still like my life was manageable. I was doing okay in school. My grades started flipping a little bit. I stopped. I, I already gave given up competitive soccer at that point. Um, but I was playing like for fun on a team, and I still do. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so the chili trip. I was already. I think yeah. I was abusing the pills. But on I the chili trip. I mean, it was only at, like, at night. Like, if I wasn't drunk, I, I, 
I would want to just take a lot of Xanax. Right. So I would do it and pass out. And, like, Xanax really messed with my memory. Like, I didn't remember a lot of things, like, from day to day. Like, what did I eat for breakfast this morning? I remember asking my friend that was on the trip with me, like, yeah. what did we eat? Like, it was like, it was like that for me. Um, and then I would drink. Uh, we would like water. We partied right. some nights. I got myself into all sorts of interesting situations and whatever. And I think I remember the name of one of those situations. Yeah. If I had to, yeah. Very sweet guy. Very sweet guy. Long hair. Poor guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't remember his M. name. Starts with an M. Okay, well, so I, I, you'll remind me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know where he is now, but like, poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Whatever, so... And then there was another guy... Whatever, it doesn't matter. We don't need to go back there. Yeah. And, um... So... Then I went back to my college. My drinking picked up. It was like now, instead of like... It was like every chance I could get. But it still wasn't every night. But if it wasn't drinking, I would take Xanax. And I never wanted to mix... In recovery, people say they mix it all the time. Like, right. I don't know. My doctor told me I could die if I do that. So I didn't want to die. Like, I just right. wanted to feel good. So I didn't do that. I was like, okay, I'm going to pick drinking or Xanax. And I think, like, Xanax was, like, a real conscious, like, self-medication thing. I think I was so terrified to, like, panic, even though I hadn't for a so while at that point. before the panic came on, you were taking it? Yeah, I was like, I don't want to feel that way ever again. And I'm just taking this now. Because right. um, I'm not drunk, so this got to, you know. But the drinking was really, like, an alcoholic behavior, the way I, I drank and how often I drank. The, the Xanax... Could, like, I think it was self-medication, and, and there's a difference. Right. So, um, then I went on the Israel trip with you. Uh, I think I had to go to more shears or whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, I am becoming, like, so strong, and that's it. And I... Did you stay, or you went back? I don't remember. I stayed for, you like, stayed. three years, four years, right. three years. Um, so you stayed, and you went to, you went to Neve, I I went think. to Neve. Right. And then when did you realize, or how did it come about that someone realized that you needed to be in rehab? I was on a different pro I was in Neve, and then I was in a different, some other, like, program, like, here type thing. Yeah. And then um, they said there's a drinking problem going on here. I mean, that was the drinking problem. Who? Uh, uh, it was like, st like, they had a staff meeting, apparently, about it. So they, yeah. they had, like, this, like, intervention. They were like, do you want help? Oh, so they knew it was you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. The way. And they were like, do you want help? I'm like, I need help. But I didn't think drinking was my problem. I just knew, like, I didn't know how to deal. Like, I was so scared to panic again that, like, I just thought, like, that was my problem and I needed help with that. Do you... Th I, I always thought this. Yeah. I think we talked about it once. Do you think your run to Judaism was a run to just be healthy and and stable? Or was it... And obviously, this, the neshama part and your soul wanted it and whatever. But I always thought that you were trying to find health and stability, emotional and psychological, in Judaism. For sure, absolutely. And use that, and then the drinking work. will stop. And then, right, it doesn't because that's not what yeah. it's right. Right. So it didn't work because it wasn't about a relationship with Hashem. It was about a relationship with myself, and right. that's not what it, it's about right. um, for me anyway. Right. Um, I mean, Judaism is about the relationship with the self, but because the it's Hashem, yeah. though. Right. 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 Yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I no, I just have to work on that. 
Someone, know? someone at the internship was like, "You cut the judge off today." I was like, "Oops." <laughs> yeah, that you don't want to do. I didn't do you that. Come in. And then she's not Jewish. She's like, I was trying to explain to people that when you cut people off, it's cultural because Jews talk over each other. I was like, interesting. That's a nice, quick racism remark. <laughs> okay. But she thinks she's not racist because she has so many from friends. Okay. Yeah, whatever, one of those, you know? So, um... I mean, she's probably right, but... <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Right. So, uh, yeah, so it didn't stick, obviously, because I just took all my behaviors with me. And it wasn't about, like, getting close to Hashem. Like, it was only in as much as it would help me feel good. Right. And that's... it. That, that yeah. type of motive didn't stick how long into the into your journey quote unquote because I feel it was a few months right you were learning and doing but you're going out drinking at night there like every single night and I was like coming back at like four in the morning and then by the end of my drinking I was really it was bad like I would drink like by myself I would drink if I would drink also with people I would go out to like town and like it was like really crazy what I was were you getting involved in what we would call prohibited us or uh, um, acts, or you were just drinking and it stayed in drinking. No, it was everything. It was everything. Yeah, and it was yeah, and it was like. So you'd wake up in the morning, you go daven and put your long skirt on, but you're doing things at night that were totally against that. Yeah, and um, so, and some of the stuff I didn't start remembering till later. Right. But and that's what, and then I got really confused and I was scared and I was like, who did that? But there was something really good that came out of that, and I'm yeah. going to tell you that in a second. Um, so I, yeah, I was I was confused and and then someone said uh, on this other program, in, I went Neve other program other program said this person has a drinking problem. They said, do you want a therapist? I said, sure. <laughs> like I could, oh, I, I need help, yeah. but not drinking. Drinking is my solution, and. Um, the therapist was like I saw her like every week she really was more of a friend than a therapist which is yeah. I guess I don't I it was whatever at the time I, it could be it's what I needed I had no idea whatever um, but she got me to rehab eventually after like almost a year uh, rehab in Israel yeah at your parents knew? my parents my parents knew because by the end I would like be like I just nothing happened like I was I was I I kept getting sick like there were physical consequences I would wake up in the morning by at this point shaking from the night before like just my body was like you just like consume and I was sick and I would throw up and I was dehydrated and it was like terrible and I would stay and then I would take Xanax to stop, stop the shaking and then just sleep it off surprised Xanax is still working at this point the Xanax would stop the shaking okay. it would literally stop my shaking and then I would sleep. And then I would do it again either that night if, or if I didn't feel well from the night before, then the next night. And, um, you know, I wasn't running anymore at this point. And um, then, not, and like I was getting all like fevers and throat infection. I was so, I was not healthy. Like I had a fever like every other week. It was just like I wasn't like a healthy person. And, and then like one doctor took all my, because I was, like, also getting worse emotionally. So one doctor, he's, like, an actual MD, but he also does all sorts of holistic... You know, one of these people in, that moved from yeah, America to Israel. Yeah. yeah. Israel has the yeah. share of them, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to do light therapy, put, like, a bit bright light in my face. I don't know, it could be a work, though. And he's like, 
did, did all these tests on my organs and he's like your liver enzymes are not great and I'm like that makes sense because I just like drink or, or take Xanax like all day or sleep so um, but I'm not stopping drinking like it, 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 that stuff did not matter to me my relationships were very poor with my family I remember my dad was like you are so mean to me when you drink like it was just like not good um, rarely spoke to my sister although I did tell her um, just go to my friends for Shabbos and she said I'm not going to become religious but I'll go for Shabbos yeah right so then she now she, she became religious after she switched from Bible school to Shiva Day school or whatever and um, but now she's going through her phase but she'll, she'll be back and I cannot say her name she will kill me if she hears this I don't think she ever will but um, so I just wanted to kill myself I, at that time I wanted to kill myself I, I Were you in danger of doing it? Or you? I probably was. I was just suffering so much because, like, when an alcoholic treats their alcoholism with alcohol, it works for a very for, for it works very well right. until it doesn't anymore. Because you learn that, like, this alcoholism thing, you drink. I and this made so much sense to me when they when they talked it when they went. I learned this like. You You're drank, doing the 12 steps in Israel, right? Yeah. yeah. But you drank because you're an alcoholic. Because some people in the meetings would be like, I drank over that. Like, well, you needed a reason to drink? Right. Like, you you drank for a reason? I just wanted to drink all the time. So it was like you... There was a part of you, they say, the alcoholic, like, you're predisposed before you ever pick up right. the drink. Maybe it was a form of self-medication. Maybe I was running from something. But I know... That at a certain point I crossed this line and I just became like an addict and that was it and I needed help. So it was Xanax to self-medicate, but alcohol for the sake of alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Right, which may, I mean, which really makes sense that the alcohol wasn't just the sake of alcohol, but it just you weren't clear-headed enough to figure out why. But it just felt good. I just right. wanted to feel good. That was it. Right. And if I was feeling good, I wanted to feel better. Even though it felt totally cruddy the next day and. Medical problems. And yeah, it was worth it. For me. Right, like like a smoker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was worth it, and and um, and then so I just this therapist was like, I'm not seeing you unless you see this addiction counselor. So I'm like, okay, fine, I'll go see this stupid addiction counselor. He was crazy, off his rocker, but he told me like he worked at this rehab where I went, um, and he's like, how about this? You try not to drink for 30 days. If you can't do it on your own, then you come. You come only for a month. What, like a month in this? Oh, it was an inpatient place. Yeah, he's like a month here. It'll it'll change your life. What what would you do it if it could help you for a month? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you can leave on the weekends. There's an American program. Like, it'll be fine. So I'm like, one month to get out of this misery? Yeah, sure. Why not? And at that point, I was like, sort of willing to give up drinking if it meant that I would feel better, but right. not really. At this point, you're you're still. Being as observant as you were when, at uh, yeah, I could, like I, I was keeping yes, I was kosher Shabbos skirts, yeah, or, yeah, 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 everything. It's minus the tons of us or things I was doing every, right when yeah. you were drunk, yeah. But um, like by day, right. I was a rabbit and, um, and by night, and by night I was a bandit. No, and then I. I don't know. I just came to this. I, I, I didn't want to live anywhere because I was suffering internally so much. I didn't 
actually want to die. I just didn't want to live like this anymore. I thought that this was life. Right. So, like, so no other alternative. Yeah. So I was like, I. So one Shabbos, I this Shabbos I broke. I was like, I. I'm either going to swallow all my pills or I'm jumping off its ledge right now. But thank God I, I called this guy who wasn't religious, this addiction counselor. I was like, I just want to kill myself and I'll do, it. I'll do anything you tell me. It was like, and I demanded okay, from bottom. Hashem, it was rock bottom. I said, God, I said, I don't know. You have to help me because I am going to kill myself. I cannot live like this anymore. You have to help me. I like demanded. It was the, uh, all this time in seminary in Israel, that was the only honest prayer I said. That's about uh, sounds well the most sincere prayer ever. Yeah, that was it. I need your help, and he came through for me. Because I mean, I didn't necessarily. Now sometimes I, I I'm like I don't know if I want your help because it <laughs> that was a really hard year. No, I'm only kidding. But I went and surprised. There's no American program, and you don't leave on the weekends, and nobody speaks English, um, and you're here for nine months. But they whatever when you're you had to do what he had to do. To yeah. When you're in trouble. Wow. Yeah. So I go, and I'm like, whoa, what do you mean? I'm leaving tomorrow. And this one counselor was married. She was she was a Madrichah over there, but she was married to one of the Madrichim. And he... She was American. And she said, we'll have a conversation tomorrow if you still want to leave. And she kept telling me, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And I got there, Erev Pesach. They called me, and they're like, we have a bed for you. So I get there. That was Erev Pesach, your first full year in Israel? I think I was there a year already. No, yeah, my first full year. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, you were eight, nine months in? Or like ten months, eleven. Right, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Like, I think we got there in June, and this yeah. was our piece. But what was the good thing before you said the but good thing came out of it? That was um, the... I'm going to yeah. get there. Okay, fine. Um, that's later. That's not for later. Okay. Um, so I get to Rehab, and um, the, the Majicha over there, she wasn't religious, She's like, girls, that someone was translating for me over there. I'm not going to say her name, but she's my best friend in the world now. We were roommates. And and she, yeah. Okay. And um, she's like, from slavery to freedom, she said. I was at her Pesach, you know. And I was so depressed and I was so broken. And, and then they were making Kiddush. And the, and the men and the women were separate. Because um, it is it is a religious place. I don't know how it is today, but... Well, yeah, probably um, run by the state and they have to be... The, Accommodating, right, right, exactly. So, um, but it's owned by like uh, Rav Eckstein, um, okay. this this one Rav from Mexico, and he. Um, so they were making kiddush, and you know, a bunch of Israelis. So everyone's all the boys start screaming, and some of the girls, Chaim. I'm like, all these people are screaming Chaim, you know. And I didn't know a word of Hebrew at that point. I knew how to read from when I was little, but right. I didn't know. Uh, and there was like this. Sarit Haddad song playing Shema Yisrael and it was the only words I knew in Hebrew when I got there that that song was playing yeah before the Seder obviously and I was like okay and like I just didn't feel like I was I felt like I was among friends even though I was like the only person that spoke English besides like one or two other people but it was fine I learned how to speak Hebrew very well especially about my feelings wow. and yeah so um I got then I, I relapsed while I was there eventually, but I stayed on longer. It's, the place saved my life, it, it, long story short. It how long were you there? 11 months. 11 months? Yeah. So, you, how long were you, what was your, were you sober for how long? Or? Seven months. And I'll tell you an interesting story. I was doing everything they told me except the steps. I wasn't doing the 12 steps. And um, 
I was like getting up at six and cleaning the toilets. Like I was not making trouble. It was like a it was boot camp. But I wouldn't make trouble. I would be honest, honest, honest in every group. I would do, and I said I was honest. Like they said, if you want to drink, tell us. They're like, okay. So I said, I want to, I want to drink, and I'm, I'm, I have an out Shabbos. When you're there six months, you can get a Shabbos once a month out. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm, I, I want to drink the Shabbos. The obsession to drink kept coming back. Like this, like craving. It's not a physical craving, but this like craving in my belly. Like I just really want to drink so badly. Kept coming back. And I was on the outside, like any time that would happen, I would just go drink, and then I would feel better. Right. But this was like, I and I, they said anytime you feel like that, share about it. So I shared about it. It's like one of the tools, you know, so you're not alone. It took away your and 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 no, uh. it came back, and I, and eventually I wrote. We had. No, this, I mean, they took away your Shabbos. They didn't take away know. my Shabbos. They said you've been here long enough. If you think you're in danger, don't go. You're going to be leaving here at nine months. You're supposed to leave here after nine months. So right. um, if you think you're in danger, don't go. So I said, okay. And then I, and I wrote, we had this thing called Dafe Rua at the end of the day. We had to write a journal entry, and our social workers would read it the next day. So it was Thursday night. My social worker wasn't going to come until Sunday. And I wrote in English, and I was like, I'm drinking this weekend, and by the time anyone reads this, I'll be drunk already. Like, um, peace out. And whatever, I went, and I just, I went for Shabbos, and I, I drank, like, by myself at a gas station, and that was, I can't say it was a terrible night, I just wanted a drink, and I got drunk, and, and that was, I felt good. Um, and then they were like, okay, you're kicked out now, um, but if you want to come back, you have to really, like, want it, and you have to tell us, like, you have to be in contact with us every day. So someone, so Hashem really didn't give up on me, because... I said, I was honest with them. I said, I honestly want to drink in peace. I don't want to come back. But I don't want to die. Like, I like I know I'm not going down a good road, but I just, I can't help it. I want to drink in peace. And they were like, okay, come back. Really, like, I'm telling you, Hashem didn't give up on me. I, I asked for help. He, he helped me. And through these people. That they, because they didn't give up on me. It's not normal. Usually they're like, okay, bye. Like, if you don't want it, we can't help you. Right. So, um, eventually, and then, so, eventually I stayed on, they were like, maybe you should stay on a little longer, because you just relapsed, and you want to just be more, like, stable before you go back out, like, in your recovery. Then I started doing the steps. That's when I've been sober now for going on 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Since the steps, not, see, you could do, if you're, I, I really believe if you have this thing called alcoholism, the 12 steps is... Very important work. You, in whatever form you're able to, I'm not saying you have to. It's very hard sometimes to go to meetings, especially right. after becoming from again, because like it's very at this point, right? At this point, you're not from anymore, right? No, I'm from not them. now. Oh. I mean, <laughs> at this point in the story, at, I, no. In return, in in rehab, I was from. Oh, because usually people like put that aside, and then they. There was really no chance not to be. You had to wear a skirt. And uh, you had to keep You didn't have was, to keep Shabbos like, oh, okay. But like you did Like you weren't allowed to like The people like, around you were from? from no from but Biden? everyone was keeping Shabbos Because it was like the rules uh. So there there were some from people And there were some Completely secular Israelis uh. That you know Frequented the Tachna Merkazit that night And that's where they That was their stopping ground Like real like Right You know And so I I 
like the a few weeks after rehab, I then I, I took this and I was like, forget it. And I started. Why? Because it felt it it wasn't I, I was not connecting to Hashem through that. So at the, when you did that, because I remember when you came back and like I was giving those Wednesday, whatever night I was giving those yeah. Sherman Madrigos, and in the beginning. You were, I wouldn't say antagonistic to it, but you were very guarded against doing anything Because I had religious. such a terrible experience. Because I always thought that yeah. you associated religion with unhealthy because that's when you became your unhealthiest. That's exactly what it was. Exactly. So it was such a terrible experience for me, but it wasn't that religion was necessarily a right. terrible experience. It was religion devoid of a relationship with Hashem. Right. And instead of that, toxic behavior, drinking, and being an addict, like, that's what was the bad experience. Right. So, but you had the association in the muscle memory of yeah. skirts and this and that means yeah. this. But I always had a yearning for it, even when I was like making fun of it. There was a time I was like making fun of Yiddishkeit. Were you in, do you remember feeling or looking back now, like in pain that you were at that point where like you wanted it, but you just couldn't bring yourself to, to go for it? I cried a lot, all the time. Like oh, like regularly, I'm not exaggerating. And I was like, and my mother like didn't understand. I'm like, no, I want to be religious. So she's like, just do it. I'm like, I can't. And then like I, I was like, what? And then next, the next like one of the most honest prayers ever was I, I cried to Hashem and I said, I really need a family that's just like I would be like safe for me. I don't have to keep Shabbos. They're not going to judge me. I just need to grow at my own pace. And Hashem sent me two families that. Um, you know both of them. You know one. You know one. You one know the other one is the woman. Oh, the, okay. yeah. The therapist. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, she make Alia. Yeah. She did. She's right? actually yeah. She's back visiting, but she yeah. yeah. Um, very sad about it. Um, so. Oh, you became very close to them. Yeah. So, whatever. And then I, I would go and I would drive to meals. I wasn't ready for anything else. Right. And then eventually they're like, why don't you just come sleep here? I was like, but I'm smoking on Shabbos and I'm going to be on my phone. They're like, it's, it's okay. Just come. Right. So I'm like, I cried so hard. I said, Hashem, I cannot, I want to keep Shabbos so badly, but I can't do it in my house. Because yes, my father goes to shul, but he comes home, he puts on the TV. And even if I want to keep Shabbos, like my father is then going to the grocery store. Right. It's like very confusing. And also, I mean, not confusing, but it was like, he needs help schlepping the packages and I don't feel right sitting there at home right. not helping him schlep packages from his car. I just can't and be there. And during this time you are going to them I felt like you were avoiding me. Not me personally but what I represented in your life or the sheer and like I, I never inv- I, I always told you you're invited you can come anytime but I felt like you you were very hesitant. You came to one there's another one that yeah. that you came to um, but I felt like you were very, very guarded. I was scared it. to get close to Yiddishkeit. Not Tashem. Right. To Yiddishkeit. And I didn't realize at the time. That's a great distinction. Yeah. yeah. So I um, thank you, God, today it's different. But it took a while. It took a lot of healing because I had to unlearn. I had to, I had to learn that this was not a relationship with Hashem. This was never about a relationship with Hashem in the beginning. So right. you can't go by that. It right. was, you know, so it, I, I didn't avoid you. I was, I was just scared. I was so scared to burn out again. And I, I, I wanted to be careful this time. It was frustrating because 
Yeah, I felt that. And uh, so what was the good thing that came out? The good thing? Oh, that ties into the good thing. Okay, so when I started becoming more, like, firm again, but not... I don't even like that word so much because what I want to say is I, I when I started building my relationship with Hashem... Rabbi Kamenetsky, my one of my Rabbi, yeah. he says he's that his grandfather, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, used to say, from is for is for Christians. Erlach is for Jews. It's true. It's very yeah. true. Yeah. And, um, right. So then I started... Because you were also, like, you and... Bore, bear witness to, like, things in my life that I had done that were not so pleasant for me to remember, and they right. were embarrassing. And, like, any, and I still struggle with that today. Anybody from that time in my life that saw me act the way I acted at certain times, I avoid still. But I never saw it. In the beginning, I didn't even know you were in rehab. You didn't know. No, tell but me. I'm you saying. Called you called me, I think, from there, and, you didn't, and I had no clue you were there. I don't even know how I found out if it was you or if it was that friend. Right, could be. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't care. But, um, I don't know, but I, I just felt like, it was like not, I don't know, it was the same thing, like I started remembering things that I did, and it was very confusing for me, I won't go into the details, but I know you know what I'm referring to, and, I was going to ask if you wanted to, yeah, yeah, no, but I started, I never understood what self-respect meant, people would say, you have to respect yourself, I'm like, I'm respecting myself, I'm doing whatever I want. Like, I want to do something, I do it. <laughs> like, right. I'm respecting myself. And then when I... Yes, it was recovery, but it was really when I started building my relationship with Hashem again that I started feeling shame about what I did. And I was like... People say shame is toxic and whatever, fine. But I was so happy to feel shame about what I did. Because I was like, oh my God. Like, I'm not proud of the things that I did. That is huge for me because I did not care well into my sobriety. I didn't care what I did, e- even though it confused me. But I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, doesn't matter. Like, but I, I was like, and, and then like when I would read about like Hashem would like punish me. I wasn't scared. I was like, you mean to tell me Hashem cares about what I do? Hashem cares about what I do, and I care about what I do. This is this is like groundbreaking for me. You yeah. know, it wasn't like. You know, I wasn't scared. Like, I was like, oh my God, like, Hashem cares about what I do. It's so nice, you know? And I care about what I do, and I'm ashamed of the things that I did. And, like, people in recovery might tell you that's toxic. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm. I. Harata is good. Sh- sh- it depends how you define the word no, shame. shame. That they- okay, it was harata, but it was yeah. also like, I don't want people to find out about this. Right. Like Pusha. A sense yeah, of Pusha. Sense of shame is good. Fine. If you say it if you say right. it in Hebrew it's right. it's, it's better. Say Chazal <laughs> say Yisrael Bnei Yisrael Rachmanim Hing, Baishanim Hing, and Gomel Chasadim Hing. That's that's who we are. Right. So to to feel that means you're tapped back into a sense of your to respecting yourself. Yeah. So it was the best news ever. So that was the good that came out of the, all the things I started remembering about my actions. Uh-huh. Was that I was able to experience the Charata and the Busha and and like be like oh my god Hashem I don't ever want to do that again like I just want to be close to you it helped you find yourself and center yourself yeah amazing but I didn't I didn't have my footing at first at first I was like whoa what does this mean like oh my god then I I was like really 
fear I learned learned in recovery is like, either you're afraid you're not going to get something that you want, or you're afraid you're going to lose something that you already have. So for me, a lot of my panic and fear I know today comes from like not getting a fear of not getting what do I want and what do I want I just I I want to be close to Hashem that's what I want and like sometimes I go so far from that because I live from a place of like ego and and then I get my feelings get hurt like we all do you know but like ultimately that's what I want and when I feel like something is going to take that away from me I I freak out I really freak out that's what it is you still go to meetings every day Actually, since my boyfriend had a little slip, an, yeah. yeah, I um, I, I went back during COVID. I was like, I was going to Zoom meetings like religiously, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I hate Zoom meetings. Yeah, it's, it was tough. Then I started thinking that I was well. That you was that you were well. That I was like, I didn't really need it anymore anyway. But now you now. But now I got scared that since my boyfriend relapsed, right? I was like, that could have been me. Because I started thinking, like, drinking was like, I, I could maybe do it. Yeah, okay, no, that would be... Yeah, no, that would be a disaster. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, maybe I could do it. I won't, but maybe I could. And then that happened to him, and I was like, that could have been me. I mean, I was saying, like, myself, the girlfriend, is, like, livid right. with you right now. Right. Myself, the addict, gets it, but I'm not your sponsor, so you go talk to your friends about it, and I'm just going to stay angry right now. Right. So. Even though it was... Okay, I mean the, the trauma that he experienced at that point was. No, I, for, at first right. I understood. I reacted right. very nicely, and I was like, "I just need a minute to react." <laughs> and so now in your life, you're kosher, Shabbos, Sias, everything. Yeah. yeah. Steady. Steady like a rock. Yeah. Um, Steady. Okay. So let's wrap up because yeah. I have to catch Mencha even though I totally missed it but I'm going to go to like a chas- really Hasidah Sheminyan oh sorry uh, no it's okay I, throughout this time I was thinking we are I really believe that your story is going to give a lot of people tremendous chizik believe it or not and we didn't even go into some details which um, we're not going to because uh, I just caught that from you that you don't want it and that's fine um, uh, I was going to ask in a roundabout by way by the way and we'll, we'll leave that part out um, I was going to tell you last night, the letter to Rebbe is off limits. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> I wouldn't even said that much, right? Yeah. But that was a powerful thing. Um, I'll tell you after. Yeah. Um, and um, so I, I, it's worth missing many for me for that. Absolutely. Um, there's no question in my mind. Um, if you had to like wrap with like, what would be the, like if you look back and like, What's the lesson I would give to someone? You're sitting, God willing, God willing, Mirzashem soon, with your husband. You're going to be sitting with a child, mm-hmm. and that child is going to look up and say, Mommy, tell me about your journey. What, 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 did you, what should I learn from my life from it? You just, like, always stay with Hashem. And, like, that's it. And doesn't have, doesn't have to be, I, I hope it'll be in the way of Yiddishkeit, but I, the first is a relationship with Hashem. That's first. That's a great lesson. That's a great lesson. More Jews need to hear that. And that's what it's about. Okay. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for this having was me. This was really amazing. Um, and, uh, okay, Mertz Hashem. We're going to, I'll start, 
I'm gonna have to end each one with telling people I'm gonna send you whatever feedback I get because people people send feedback. I send it to the people to the guests, and that helps them, and everybody helps each other, and we're just one big circle of fuzzy, friendly, helping each other. Oh, great.